A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to a multicolor heist. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage of the Netflix original series Kaleidoscope, the red episode, the morning after the heist. Each podcast will cover an episode of this unique show that allows you to watch in any order you want. We will avoid spoilers for the other episodes on each podcast until the final episode, which is white for all viewers. Check the show notes for our full watch order. In this episode, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown of the episode titled Red. As Netflix has randomized the viewing order for each user, be sure to manually select each episode if you want to follow along with us. A reminder, you can send us your feedback to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or leave us a voicemail at thelorehounds.com contact. And we'll get those emails and voicemails for our season wrap-up podcast, which is now going to be combined with the white episode and that will air on Saturday, January 28th. If you want to keep talking Kaleidoscope with us, join us over at the Bald Move Discord. Link in the show notes and at baldmove.com. We have a well-moderated server and dedicated threads set up for Kaleidoscope. Each episode is siloed, so you can join the conversations at any time without worry of spoilers. A last quick reminder, our Patreon. If you like what we're doing, and you kind of want to support us directly, um, check us out at patreon.com slash the lorehound. For just three bucks a month, you get ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, early access, and more. Of course, you can still get our ad-supported podcasts on our Lorehounds feed by searching for us on your podcast application of choice, or using our fancy new subscription tool on our website, thelorehounds.com. So David, we're doing red today. How'd you feel about it? This one was interesting. I think it it ranks probably in the upper tier of the middle episodes for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, this is like one of my least favorite. Oh, <laughs> excellent. I love it. It's good for the <laughs> podcast when we have opposing sure. opinions. Um, yeah, I thought um, the I one thing is is if you came if red. You know, if for whatever reason Red was your first episode, this would be a hell of an episode to come in on. Good or bad, though? That's my question. Good or bad, what do you mean? Would it be a good episode to come in on or a bad episode to come in on? I think it would be good. I think it would be very challenging and sort of like, what the heck is going on here with these characters and the conflict? And like, you get some, 
you know, you get some pretty big set pieces there, like with Ba or with uh, Carlos and his crew and uh, stuff going on in the in the vault. Um, I think it would be an interesting way. I don't know that I would want it to be the first one, but I think it's a very interesting prospect if it was the first one. Okay. Um, I like that we're getting some, you know, the the tension is mounting among the crew. We're we've got two whole actors missing from this entire episode. You know, we just don't see two of the people. Like mm-hmm. that's a real head scratcher. Yeah, and I just thought that the um stakes and the energy and and the pacing of this was not bad right you know i like i said it's sure. middle of the pack but it's sort of in the upper middle of the pack what did you think well i don't think any episode of the show has been bad i just think that this is one of the more mediocre episodes okay of the season <laughs> fair enough you know it's just like it's a lot of like oh man everything's crazy and like i i recently read a book that annoyed me because it was all climax and Mm -hmm. no like arc there was no arc to it interesting okay and i feel like that was almost this episode was like Mm. everything was like high stress high stakes sure to the point where like it started to feel dull for me got it i could see that yep i can see that if it's all rise and no fall it becomes boring it becomes it's like stagnant thing you need something to change you need the tone to be contrasted somewhere mm-hmm. to make it feel like a good story and i don't think this episode did that for me right i think it it, it very much is a bridge episode um uh, it's getting you through uh it's resolving a bunch of a- sequences that have already been started and they don't necessarily conclude here at least some of the major ones so yeah i can get that i get that right but the problem is the bridges here have to operate like the staircases in Harry Potter, where right. they move and change, mm-hmm. and they might not bring you to the place that you want to go, depending on where you end up on them. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, I just, I, you know, wasn't my favorite episode. I didn't hate it. It was fine. Fair enough. All right, so we uh, jump into our outline? Let's do it. Okay. But I don't know what to call these opens. They're not cold opens in this. Anyway, we open, and we've got Leo, Ava, Stan, and Judy not looking great making their way on the ocean in a red-hulled boat. So it's a red episode. And then we get a voiceover of Leo talking about how things have gone wrong. The voiceover continues as we flash back to Leo getting to the workshop after the heist, getting rid of some evidence and collecting some money from a safe, and then to a scene of Leo underwater in the vault, seemingly trapped, but somehow able to get free. And then he makes his way through the SLS offices, past the unconscious body of Carlos, out of the lobby of the 505 building, and into a vehicle which wraps around to the scene of him arriving back to the workshop. So this has got a a voiceover and sort of stitches together um, several out-of-time sequences. All right. So the the underwater scene was the kind of interesting part. Was like, how did Leo end up underwater? Why was he the one? Why was he the last one there? Right. Why was he there underwater at all? Like, how did this place flood? Right, right. So that's the most interesting part of it. Um, I And again, you know, that'll be answered at some point. But again, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's interesting or just I lack the information. Sure. Uh, one criticism that I had was I was like, how the heck did he get free? I mean, we're, we're seeing him trapped underwater and losing his air and he can't get, you know, up. And then suddenly he's, you know, breaching the surface and he's free. And we're we're not sure what's going on. And later on, and I'll point it out uh, when we get to that scene, 
there's a reason why, but it's like so not obvious and it Uh is so lost among the details. But I understand now how he got his foot out of the trap of the the gate. Well, Leo's physical ability has been really wibbly wobbly throughout the season. Sure. Yeah. Like I just, that's something that I want to talk about on the white episode is just like, I don't know if there was a consistency to that. Yeah. We do know that he's in the water sometimes in other episodes. So I mean, yeah. there's that. Over the opening credits, we see Leo driving through the city and hearing news on the radio about the aftermath of the storm. We jump cut to him taking money out of the workshop safe and being confronted by Judy, who also arrives back at the workshop. We begin to learn that they are blown and that they don't know where the truck is or the bonds are. And Judy theorizes that there is a rat. Mm. Judy knows how the life of crime goes. I think Judy is probably the smartest person on the team, right? Maybe, maybe Leo. From a criminal standpoint. Maybe yeah, not, yeah. not her personal life, but in terms sure, of yeah. her criminality. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. she's the chemist. She, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she is very well versed in the politics of criminality, like you said. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that she is just like, all right, this didn't go wrong without someone betraying us. Right. Right. Because everything went right up to that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think she's willing to look past her husband's uh, potential uh, um, complications in the plot of the heist. Um, <laughs> but that things went so wrong that, yeah, that, that there had to be a, um, an additional element that, that's not just her husband. Right, exactly. Leo is really running here. Leo yeah. is scared. You could tell. Well, he's trying to work the plan, right? Like, the plan is, you know, in three days, meet at this lake house cabin, and then we'll, like, all figure mm-hmm. it out. That's the smart thing to do, right? I mean, Leo's experienced. He's disciplined. Yeah, and Judy's willing to, I mean, she's the one, you know, she can run a con. She, uh, she's really bold in the face of danger. Um, and Leo has no credibility here with anybody. Like, I mean, yeah, it's like everybody's turning on each other here. The, you know, the rats linking, the rats uh, trying to jump ship here. Leo's big advantage with leading these people was that he had a huge carrot to dangle. Mm, that's a good point. And that carrot is gone. Yeah. And Leo has not bonded with any of these people because he was basically the teacher. He was, right. he was the teacher at detention. Right. And they, I don't think that anyone except maybe Stan has any warmth for him. Or Ava, right? But sure. Then, but I, I, I don't even count her as part of the crew. She's just like, sure. right. they're, they're inseparable. Right. Yeah. I mean, Stan, well, in, in later, we even see Stan's relationship with Leo break down, which that's kind of the next scene. Stan shows up having been dropped off by a, a rideshare, which is funny. What an idiot. <laughs> Judy seems happy to see him. But then he confronts her about the whereabouts of Bob and RJ. She deflects by saying the bonds are missing. Stan accuses Bob of stealing them. Stan accuses Bob of stealing them. Honestly, good guess. Yes. Because he's the most unsavory character. Right. And the one who's been um, pushing the issues of how much and who gets what the whole, the whole time. So Yeah. He's a loose cannon, yeah, literally. Yeah, he's just... He's just not a great guy. I mean, I've no. called him the Australian devil in the past. I stand by that. All right. Um, yeah, but here we get to see, yeah, we, we really start to see the breakdown of the crew. And I think you put your finger pers- perfectly on it. Leo, regardless of how experienced he is as an operator, 
he what what he worked with Roger and I mean well what they showed us was just him and Roger at, at some point um that um he's a been a largely solo operator I guess and I think you're right he hasn't built any esprit de corps among uh, among the crew he they've all just tolerated each other because of 7 billion dollars in bonds right exactly I mean that's that's the trouble with something like this once the job is done how do you keep everybody together yeah. You just have a bunch of greedy people who are who have very loose moralities yeah. at each other's throats. So next we see Roger and then Hannah arrive at the 505 building, um, sort of at the end of the storm. They find Carlos, who is uh, waking up from his little nappy-poo, and they begin to the, examining the scene of the heist. The FBI arrive in the lobby. I thought Carlos was dead at the beginning. I thought he was too. Totally. But no. No, he's nope. fine. Yeah. He's just fine. And then how does the FBI know to show up? Like, that's a big question mark right yeah, there. Yeah, good question. Right? Yeah. Hannah confronts Agents Abbasi and Toby and confirms that there's nothing amiss. Roger later comes down to the lobby and backs her up. Um, after they get the FBI to leave, Roger avoids a call from Stefan Thiele, uh, who is one of the bond uh, holders, I guess you could say. Um, Abbasi and Toby leave and hatch a plan to track the truck. So a lot of just setup stuff here, just transitional moving, moving the plot along. Do they know that lying to the FBI is a federal crime? Uh, I think they do. I think they do, but they are probably, they, they probably feel above the law in, in many respects. Sure. I mean, definitely Roger, but does Hannah, I mean, that's a little sticky. Hannah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hannah's Hannah's got um she's got some spine, you know? She's willing to um well, hmm. God, what can what can we say and what we can't say <laughs> about Hannah? But yeah, I, I think she's got a lot of moxie and uh some good reasons. Back at the workshop, Leo tries to convince Stan and Judy that they need to flee. The scene is intercut with shots of a dive team in the vault. They realize that Stan's glasses are missing, and we see the dive team find them. This dive team has to be careful. Elon Musk is going to start tweeting about them. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, that's an unfortunate situation. That's, that's very, a deep cut. That that's is a, a very deep, deep cut, cut from weird Twitter scandals from like yes. two years ago. From like two years ago. Yeah, more than two years ago, in fact, I think. I don't know. COVID made all the time weird. Yeah, right. There's just a big sort of wrinkle in in the timescape um in the timeline um pretty extraordinary to be able to get a fully kitted out dive team at the end of a hurricane uh into your offices <laughs> that fast <laughs> but hey you know sls has uh, some resources they can they can move move people and materials around pretty quickly well and if you are dealing with people who you know could kill you in a second right then you'd Spend whatever you need to spend That's if right. you have it. Like That's you, right. you just spare no expense getting their money back. So this is, uh, I guess, Chekhov's glasses that Stan uh, loses here. This guy, prolific, Chekhov. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are uh, again a lot of just threads that are placed in different episodes, and we'll. I think we should make a list of things that are like. Oh my god! At least themes, maybe a few references. I don't think we should go through everything, but I think it'd be fun to track a few things. Okay. On the white episode. All right. Combining a few shorter scenes together here, Abbasi and Toby review video of the truck driving around Manhattan. 
They figure out that uh, whoever is driving the truck is trying to get off of Manhattan because all the bridge closures. They then dig into Roger's background and find his false identity, and then they make the connection between Ray and Roger, Ray, a.k.a. Leo. I love how everybody has a high school yearbook that's like uh, <laughs> looking everybody up. I mean, I, I love it's, the, it's a little too cute sometimes. The FBI's search tool is incredible, right? Just to have all those articles like starting to throw up, you know, you know, pop on your screen like that. I wish Google was that good. I know, right? I mean... I don't know. This is like, I don't know. I feel like it would have taken in the real world Abasi like weeks of pouring through right. documents to figure this out. Yeah, exactly. And instead, she's like, "All right, well, I'm going to hit enter, <laughs> and then my computer is going to pop up what I need." It's like the the very uh, well. I don't know how famous the trope is, but it's um, computer enhance, and like it sort of zooms in on the photograph and reconstructs all the detail and stuff. Although we are actually kind of getting to that stage of things with uh, AI now. Well, let's hope they don't figure out how to make podcasts. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. But uh, I digress. Come for the record. <laughs> um, just let me keep podcasting. I'll be fine. I'd like to be placed in the nice matrix. Yes. <laughs> the one, the that one has with the ocean wine. side view. Mm-hmm. Another set of combined scenes here. Roger does some deep thinking while he looks over the evidence left behind at the heist. He and Hannah try to convince Stefan Thiele that everything is okay. Stefan says that he'll be by in the morning to check on his goods. Hannah tries to console Roger and says that she will make sure that he gets everything he deserves. Roger makes the connection between the eye doctor and Stan. Okay, so this is where um, when Roger is sitting at his desk and they're they're cut scene like there's there there the camera is like cutting between different objects on Roger's desk. Uh huh. And I didn't notice it at first, but you know while I was doing the outline and sort of backing you know scrubbing along the timeline and stuff, right? We see the sort of fake token object that they use to unlock the vault. We see the um, the acoustic whatever device that they use to listen to the locks. We see Stan's glasses. There's one thing that we see there that I didn't understand what it was because of the way that, that it was placed and what it's in the way it looks. It is the neoprene rubber dive boot, what it thing that. So remember, uh, Leo is wearing that that sort of pseudo camouflage style yeah. bee suit wetsuit. Well, what I think happened was his foot got stuck in the gate, and then his foot slipped out of the booty. Okay. And so that booty left behind, and that was now sitting on Roger's desk. So that's how so he was the able booty to- Yes, the booty- Was left down there while he took the booty with him. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, because I'm going to start coughing, and you're going to have to do a whole bunch of editing to get my coughs out. <laughs> Fair enough. Booty. All right, let's go on. So, yes, so um, interesting that Hannah, like, it's not Hannah, It's not that just Hannah says, oh, you know, it'll be fine, we'll get through it, everything like that, but she says something very specific about getting what he deserves, and I was like, hmm, what does that mean? That's a very odd yeah. comment to make. Because that could be taken either way. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. It's, it's not what, you know, uh, yeah. What you would say is like, oh, no, we'll get to it. We'll figure it out. It'll be everything okay. I got your back. I'm here for you. What do you deserve? Like, what? 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 That doesn't make any sense. So, okay. Next up, uh, Leo, Stan, and Judy continue to debate their next steps. 
none of them trusting each other. Judy clues in to Leo's real motivation for the heist, which they don't really talk about, but they just sort of hint at. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the story of the whole series, right? I think we've talked Mm -hmm. about in other episodes. This is the story of a heist, but it's also the story of revenge. Yeah. I think that Judy kind of sees through Leo at this point. She's finally getting it. And I think it goes back to your uh, other earlier point, which is this crew isn't held together by a singular motivation. There's another motivation that doesn't belong to the crew, and that's revenge. Yep. And so that's because that's driving a whole bunch of that kind of stuff uh, or their action that once things start to fall apart, there's no cohesive center. It's just about one man's revenge. I brought you all here to help me get revenge on this other asshole. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Yeah. Pretending to be a police detective, Carlos, the henchman, shows up at Stan's family butcher shop. Stan's wife, Barbara, tries to play things cool, but Stan's mother interjects herself and says that they can find him using their cell phones. Barbara pretends not to find him and arms herself, arms herself with a knife. Carlos murders both of them and uses Barbara's face to unlock her phone. This was the most boomer thing I've ever witnessed. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, generational warfare on. Oh, yeah. No, we can do that. It's just like, oh, my God. Do not be helpful. No, this is something... I don't know if my mom is ever going to listen to this podcast, but like, hope not. my mom likes to talk to people on the subway when uh-huh. she would visit me in Manhattan. <laughs> God, no, you don't. And do I was this like, do life. not no. talk to people on the subway. You don't do that. That's not what you do. They either are normal and don't want to talk to you, right. or they want to talk to you and they're not normal. And then, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good uh, framework. I have to remember that. She did not listen to me. No, she's fine. She's fine. And I don't live there anymore, so we're right. all good. We're all good. But, like, this gave me the same vibe of, like, oh, yeah, we could use our cell phones. And um, it really, I, I liked, I mean, the swiftness at which Carlos just sort of sticks her the phone in front of her dying face really is like, oh, yeah, that's shocking. Like, y- your face can be used anytime with or without your consent. Yeah, that is troubling. Yeah. That is troubling. I, I know we've we've talked about that before. The the one thing is like you're supposed to be like focused on it. And I guess like, you know, I'll say this, like sometimes I wear glasses and sometimes if I wake up in the morning and I have my glasses on, I'm a little disheveled. My phone won't work with face ID. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if this would actually work if you're like dead and glazed over and your eyes are closed or like, just, you know, all the wrong way, if this would actually work with face ID. But I think that at least shows are starting to play around with the idea that this is something that is a threat. Right. Yeah, I don't have Face ID on certain apps. I, I do it for the general unlock, but certain things, yeah, I, I definitely have not added Face ID. No, I don't want you to be able to unlock my car with my face. Yeah. Um, pretty cold-blooded Carlos here. I mean, if this was your first episode and Carlos shows up, he's not a nice man. Wouldn't want to mess with that guy. All right, David, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll head back over to the FBI offices. And we're back. David, take us back into the world of Kaleidoscope. All righty. Agents Abasi and Toby prepare their information so that they can get a warrant and they debate if Toby should remove himself from the proceedings 
to avoid getting into trouble because Abasi has been doing this uh, without authorization. You young kid, you got a whole career ahead of you. Yes. <laughs> I just, yeah. You know, I, I, I think that uh, there's some goodwill hunting vibe. I've said that in a different episode, mm. but just like the delivery of Abasi is a little too goodwill hunting for me. All right. As dawn breaks at the workshop, Ava arrives with the truck to everyone's surprise and the bonds, question mark, question mark. Judy and Stan start unloading the lockboxes while Leo patches up Ava, who is wounded, and who explains that she had to make a break for it because nobody else was around. She reveals that she saw Bob's body in the street. Upset, Judy drops one of the boxes, revealing them to be full of colored paper, not bonds. Bum, 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 twist. Yeah, this was a good twist, I thought, actually. Yeah, yeah. This was like, oh, I was like, oh, man, they got the bonds. And then they just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at the height of tension where everybody's sort of like uh, grinding on each other and sniping at each other. Right. And I think that it is suspicious that Ava comes mm-hmm. after being gone for a long time. She couldn't get off the island. I know, but like yeah, well, they don't everybody else. Yeah, right. She's just like showing up with the bonds subbed out, very confident that she has the bonds. And that's that. Yeah, it's um, nobody is clean. Like everybody's alibi is suspect. Yeah, it's the Spider Man meme, right? Right. Yes, exactly. They're all pointing, pointing at each other. Exactly. That's perfect. All right. Um, as tensions mount and Judy tries to leave with what few bonds there are, Ava pulls a gun on her. And for a moment, it's Reservoir Dogs with everybody pointing guns at everyone else. Oh, it's so silly. Yeah. Carlos and his men arrive and a shootout ensues. Stan is taken hostage, and the crew pulls a nice short con and finishes off Carlos and his men. I thought this was clever. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. That was a fun scene. Not a lot to say about it. It was just fun. Yeah, high stakes. Good. I mean, it was a good action shootout. I mean, I think it's um, some of them. Sometimes these shootouts get a little bit involved and a little bit silly, but this was pretty straightforward. You know, people get shot, they go down. I mean, even though Stan gets sort of a a graze on his ear, it still hurts and there's blood and he's starting to go into shock, right? Like that all, you know, it's it's not like he's like a Superman and can just, you know, keep rolling. Yeah. I do like when they make these people mortal. Yeah. And somebody shooting at you, like the first thing your instinct is to duck and hide and get out of the line of fire. I don't know how Judy knew that um, Leo was in the Murphy bed safe thing, but I thought it was a cool twist. I was like, oh my God, how are they going to get out of this? And, and, like, and I like that they didn't drag it out, right? She was just yeah. like, hey, there's a key in a safe, and he's like, take me there now, and they just resolved it. I, I like the, the pacing in this, that they, they don't let things linger or, or drag out. Yeah. Well, how can you when each episode needs to be standalone? Yeah, that's true. The crew flees to their red escape boat as the FBI arrives at the workshop to find only bodies. Hannah and Roger leave the office, and they walk out with a FedEx delivery driver. Hannah is picked up by Sister Kim, and Abasi and Toby serve Roger a surf, a surf warrant? A search warrant. I got water on the brain. Yeah, I got my warrant. I came back with my warrant. She really <laughs> yeah, needs to did. be smoking a cigarette in every single scene. That's right, and flick it, you know, flick ashes all over the place. And right. Flick the right. butts. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think that Roger thought that they could not get a warrant? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they are the FBI, after all. 
I don't know. The FBI usually has a lot of pull, don't they? That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you can't, you know, if if they're on you like that, you, you got to assume that they're coming for you. Yeah. Maybe he thought that he could work it out by the time they got back. Right. Right. Because, you know, you usually got to you got to go for a judge. You got to, you know, mm. have a little hearing. Exigent so. circumstances. If this was your first episode, would you know who is driving Hannah away? I don't think we we don't see Sister Kim at all in this episode. So you wouldn't know. So this wouldn't work really. I don't know. This is this is a tough episode to fit into the order. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they name her at all. No, this. she's just there. Well, she's just in the car. Sorry, everyone. That's Kim. Yeah, her name's Kim. <laughs> Not a huge spoiler. Roger takes the FBI agents now to the now cleaned up vault. They got that cleaned up real fast. Roger plays off the empty safes, claiming that they have uh, already moved the contents to another location out of uh, abundance of precaution. Abasi demands to see the one closed safe, which is Roger's personal vault. They open it up and a gush of water comes out and then, da-da-da, cliffhanger. As they all stare into the vault and uh, Agent Abasi asks Roger, what is that doing there? And he replies, I would like to talk to my lawyer. What did you think about the cliffhanger? Like, did you think that they should have shown what it was? Um, uh, you know, I knew it was going to pay. I knew they were going to pay off because there's only one episode left and that was going to be the big, you know, sort of uh, twist. There is um, at the beginning of this scene or not the scene, but the beginning of this episode, there is a scene of Roger taking some stuff out of a vault. So they mirror this. They mirror the beginning of this episode with the ending scene of this episode. And if you watch, he takes, you know, he's going, he's checking the money and the passports and all that kind of stuff. But then he takes out a white bag, a small white bag from it. And um, I only noticed that on the rewatch, but it's a definite tie-in as to what's in this personal vault of Roger. So you could safely theorize that this has something to do with the revenge plot. Yeah, I think that it would have been nice for them to show it here. Because it was yeah. connected to other episodes. and Right. Yeah. Left you less feeling of uh, cliffhangy. Yeah. I thought it was a little cheap. I think, you know, Aaron has said this before, but like a good cliffhanger does not make you think what, but how, right? And mm, if you knew what point. it was, yeah. you could be like, how did it end up there? I think right. that's cooler than what is it? That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that uh, in future. Um, yeah, because we're just left with a big, like, uh, with their three sort of faces going, uh, and then we just know that it's like, oh, okay, now I have to watch the white episode. So, like, it's like forcing me. It's forced me as opposed to enticed me. If you are this far in and you don't watch the white episode, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. We cut back to the crew licking their wounds on the boat while the 1971 song, Can You Get to That by Funkadelic and featured on the iconic Maggot Brain album plays. And I'm going to read the lyrics here. Um, I once had a life, or rather, life had me. I was one among many, or at least I seemed to be. Well, I read an old quotation in a book just yesterday, said, gonna reap just what you sow, the debts you make you have to pay. Can you get to that? And I think that is a nice summation of what these characters are going to have to do um they've had to pay for all of their transgressions and meanness and uh you know 
being revengey. I sympathize with very few people on this show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's on purpose. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can like sympathize with them for a scene. But as far as like a whole arc, I'm like, all right, this is a bunch of assholes, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right. It's very, just, it very is what it is. Very few redeeming qualities. Um, I'm curious, what did you think of the song? It was good. It was okay. good. It was, uh, I used to like a little funky stuff. I don't think I've ever heard this song before, but it's, uh, it was a good, a good fitting thing. Are you familiar with Funkadelic? I am not. Okay. So Funkadelic is an amazing band, um, started by George Clinton and, uh, Bootsy oh. Collins was part of it. It was a big sort of collective band thing. Are you f- familiar with Parliament or P-Funk? No. Okay. Psychedelic rock, funk, um, uh, 70s, uh, into the, the 80s. Uh, and I would implore you to go check out an album called Maggot Brain. And the opening song, Maggot Brain, is one of the best guitar solos that there has ever, that has ever been recorded in rock history. Um, so all my funkadelic, I'm, I'm not a huge music file person. I'm not a big, huge music uh, historian, but I do enjoy me some funkadelic. So I know there's a few of our listeners out there that probably do as well. If you think I should listen to this, tweet at me. If you think I shouldn't, (laughs) tweet at me. The opening lyric, don't let the opening lyrics of maggot brain freak you out. Just get, get past that. Maggot brain. Maggot brain. Yes. It is. Okay. uh, It's iconic. I have tasted the maggots in the mind of the universe, and I was not offended, for I knew I had to rise above it all or drown my own shit. <laughs> Come on, man! This sounds like maggot brain. No, it's great because the <laughs> it gets a, it gets a little spacey, and then it's just like this awesome guitar solo. So it's it's very cool. All right. Yeah, I'll do a Twitter poll. Okay, I like it. <laughs> Make right. John listen to Maggot Brain. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on this episode, David? No, I think that's it. I think uh, I'm I'm ready for the white episode. To be honest, my brain is empty about this show. Yeah, I'm in the Last of Us mode. It's hard to get through this at this point, <laughs> and uh, I am glad that the next episode is our last one because I'm out of things to say about these people. But we're professionals, so we see it through to the end. Truly. All right. So let's give a thank you to our lore master patrons which is an ever-growing assembly <laughs> of heroes. Surprising. I know. We put this tier there. This is our most expensive tier. This is 10 bucks a month. We said, no one's going to do this, but we figure we'll give people the opportunity because, you know what, a shout-out's fun, and if somebody's really passionate about supporting us, and, you know, great, it's there for them. Well, and it goes to retailing, too, right? you got to have, like, typically three options and funnel people into the middle option, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we well, I didn't think about it that hard, okay. but you did apparently. <laughs> I did. I did. But anyway, we've had some Martian Mark H and Michael G longtime supporters really appreciate you. Uh, Cyrus is a longtime listener, but recent lore master. And thank you for that. And then today you sent me a discord message. You said, John, we've got another lore master. We have David W. Yes. Amazing. Thank you, David W. Yeah. Thank you all. And thank you to all our patrons. It really makes it easier to justify this to our partners, <laughs> to the people in our lives who are like, why are you recording right now? Yeah. And, you know, to the world. So thank you very much for helping us make this a sustainable effort. 
All right, so we've got one episode of Kaleidoscope left, the white episode. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, we're going to combine our season wrap with the white episode, and that's going to drop Saturday, January 28th. But on to the main entree. We've got The Last of Us over on HBO, and we've started our full coverage. Alongside Bald Move is also doing full coverage. Our episodes are dropping every Wednesday, and we're doing a full recap. We're doing our classic Loremaster you know, full coverage, lore bits. David, you talked about fungi for 10 minutes. Yes, that was, that was, was a fun, yes. What the uh, girl mushroom say to the guy back? I think I already told that joke. You're a fun guy. I think what I, did, you, I, yeah, we, we told it together. That. Yes. And we then told, but we what did, told it together. What did the guy mushroom say to the girl mushroom? I don't know. I'm a liking you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad, bad dad jokes, bad dad jokes. We're both dads. So, you know, hey. It's true. But yeah, no, David, I feel like you're jazzed up about this show. And I'm yeah. definitely jazzed up about this show. So this is a really fun one to cover. Feels good to be um, behind the microphone on a, on a well-crafted TV show. This is some prestige stuff, guys. I mean, if you're even if you're not a fan of video games, this is just like, like David, you're not a fan of video games. But this is just like the cream of the crop, dramatic writing, acting, production value, everything. Yeah, it's a really good drama, really good. People, yeah, the world in conflict with itself, dealing with this, you know, catastrophic situation, and it gets very personal and it gets very real. And so, um, yeah, it's it's exactly what I want from a television show. Right. So you can find our first episode's coverage on our Firehost feed right now, and then every Wednesday thereafter. Also, if you want more Last of Us coverage, Bald Move, Jim and Aaron are covering it on Tuesday with an instant talk, which is where you can talk to them right after the episode every Sunday night. And they are doing a feedback episode every Thursday, probably, because this seems like it's a popular show. I mean, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, it's getting a lot of buzz. Lastly, this month, we have Silmarillion stories coming out on Monday the 30th. We'll be reading of the beginning of days and of Ale and Yavanna. And on February 3rd, we have a Star Wars episode coming out with our thoughts on the first five episode of The Bad Batch, along with news about upcoming show coverage and general Star Wars chatter. I got to go watch uh, Bad Batch episode four right after we finish recording here. I heard it was good. I heard it was good. Good. I'm, I'm enjoying the season so far. Me too. I'm excited to talk about it when we, when we get there next week. Same here. I mean, the animation has been incredible, and that's, yeah. that's an accomplishment in itself because 3D animation has been lacking for a long time. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us on this uh, multicolored journey. John, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah. We'll be there to talk full spoilers and take any feedback that comes in. See you next week. The Lorehounds podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can get ad-free and early versions of these episodes at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. 
This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>